The other day, a jeep cut me off in traffic, and as he sped away, I was able to glimpse his bumper sticker. It said, Make hockey more violent. Hey, it's Seth, and this is Akimbo. We'll be back in a second to talk about capitulation, but first, here's a message from our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to make a graphic novel? You know, a story not only using words, but also pictures like drawings or paintings or even photographs. A story about life. At Saw Comics, you'll find thousands of other people working on graphic novels just like you, under the guidance of award-winning master artists who have broken free of the higher education system to work with you in a community-centric mentorship model. Real stories, made-up stories, stories about childhood, everything under the sun. Take a look at learn.sawcomics.org. We are all alive today because the Cold War lasted a really long time. That what happened was that people who understood human nature stalled and delayed and procrastinated so that the Cold War didn't end up becoming a hot war. It took 50 or more years for the whole thing to end, but it happened because capitulation was taken off the table. Capitulation is a term from the stock market, and what it describes is what happens when investors lose their nerve, when stock prices have gone down so much they can't stand it anymore, and instead of just riding it out, they sell at a loss. They capitulate. It's in that moment that some people believe they can swoop in and gain bargains, but it also helps us understand a fundamental chasm, a split in human nature, and it helps us decode how so many things around us work. Let's start with the metric system. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile, except in most countries in the world where there are no inches and there are no miles. Why is it that my country, one of the few, still uses the imperial system? It's not even the British system, it's the imperial system of measurement when everybody else has switched to the metric system. Well, let's hear from Dean Krakel, who has passed away, but used to be director of the National Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma. Yes, there was a national, maybe there still is, National Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma. Here's what he had to say about the metric system when it was being heavily debated in the 1970s. Metric is definitely communist. One monetary system, one language, one weight and measurement system, one world, all communist. And Bob Green, who knew a good fake issue when he saw one and was able to pile on, wrote in his column that it was an Arab plot with some Frenchies and Limeys thrown in. He also started WAM, which stood for We Ain't Metric. I have no idea how firmly his tongue was in his cheek. All I know is we don't have the metric system. And the reason we don't have the metric system in the United States is our fear of capitulation. Who are the heroes in culture? People like Winston Churchill or John Belushi. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. 
Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. People from action films who, against all odds, stand tall and win every battle. Well, they may be the heroes of fiction or even of politics, but in fact, that's not resilient. In fact, in no matter what sort of simulation you want to run, if you want to look at anything in the long run that involves community and culture and humans, the fear of capitulation is a sure way to have it all fall apart. Human beings tend to keep track of one of two things, either affiliation or dominance. Affiliation is who's next to me, who's to my left, who's to my right, what am I part of? Affiliation enables us to have culture because what culture is, is people like us do things like this. The alternative is dominance, who's up and who's down, who's winning and who's losing. As Keith Johnstone wrote about a really long time ago, all theater is, is a display of status roles, of who's moving up and who's moving down. Any important scene in any work of fiction is simply about that. I may have talked on this podcast years ago about the opening scene of The Godfather. I come back to it again and again because in 45 seconds, Francis Ford Coppola demonstrates just how important status is to some people. I stood in the courtroom like a fool. And those two bastards, they smiled at me. Then I said to my wife, for justice, we must go to Don Corleone. That I cannot do. I'll give you anything you ask. In the scene, the godfather, who has built his entire career on dominance and on status, is approached by an undertaker. An undertaker, the lowest job in terms of status, on his daughter's wedding day. And in the Sicilian tradition, at least according to the movie, on your daughter's wedding day, you cannot refuse a favor. So in this moment, the Don is vulnerable because he can't violate the Sicilian tradition, but he also can't lower his status. I'll let Marlon Brando take it from here. Buonasera. Buonasera. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? If you had come to me in friendship, then the scum that ruined your daughter would be suffering this very day. And if by chance an honest man like yourself should make enemies, then he would become my enemies. And then they would fear you. So what's happening here is that the low-status person is questioning the universe, that the universe is organized around status roles, and he is asking the Don to lower his status, to act like a hoodlum, like a hitman. The Don cannot abide this. If the Don does what is being asked, it will take him far too long to regain his status. It is easier for him to not capitulate in this moment and to simply have the undertaker eliminated. It just takes a few seconds for the entire scene to turn around. Be my friend. Godfather. The lesson from this is not that the Godfather was a good person. 
the lesson is that because he kept track of a certain thing, he was playing a certain game by a certain set of rules. And what we see later in the movie is it leads to the demise of the entire generation of his family. Because when two creatures meet and neither one is willing to capitulate, then disaster ensues. So let's think about current events. What was the message being sent when people were asked to wear a mask in 2000? Well, the message being sent was care about the community, care about other people. All of us are doing this. You need to wear one too. So some people, perhaps relatives of Dean Krakel, say, wait a minute, this, this is communism, being told what to do. I will not capitulate. I will not wear a mask. And then when a vaccine comes along, again, it feels like what is being said is you must capitulate. You must capitulate to the system, to the powers that be, to a virus that has beaten us and go ahead and get the shot. And from a marketing point of view, selling affiliation is rational and thoughtful and matches public health. But there is a significant portion of the population, not just in my country, but around the world, that keeps track of status roles more than they keep track of affiliation. If we look at how World War II propaganda worked, how all those war bonds got sold, some of them were sold by marketing, we're all in it together, the idea of community. But many of them were marketed by talking about beating the enemy. And so the opportunity is to say, the reason you should get vaccinated is not because of the old people in your community or because we are all doing it. The reason to get vaccinated is that we will not succumb to this virus. We will not capitulate to this tiny, invisible microorganism. We will win. And the way we will win is by standing strong and tall, by showing our courage, by making hockey more violent. We will win by doing the brave thing in the short run, which is conquering our fear and getting a shot, because that is where victory lies. That marketing victory can be really dangerous. If you try to market victory over the Soviet Union, well, then you end up with nuclear weapons flying across the ocean in the 1970s. Not a good idea. But marketing victory over an inanimate object, a virus, well, there's really no harm in that. So when we think about how we show up in the world to get people to change their behavior, the resilient long-term plan is to sell those people on the power of affiliation. All of us are smarter than any of us. No one is in charge of, I don't know, Wikipedia. Please contribute, make it better for all of us. And there's a significant portion of the population, thank goodness, who get the joke, who understand that we've been at this for tens of thousands of years and we hope to do it for even longer, but only if we're all in it together and led by people who are mature and thoughtful and are ready to see what is possible, we are bringing affiliation to the fore. However, we've also given a microphone and amplified the voices of the people who will never surrender, of the people who think hockey is about 
making the other side give up. The people who want to win, the people who refuse to capitulate. And so the story we need to tell is that affiliation is a way of winning, that affiliation is actually the opposite of capitulation. Because in an interconnected society, in a culture where ideas spread faster and further than ever before, what is incompatible with long-term resilience are multiple people who decide that they have needs that are diametrically opposed and who are unwilling to compromise because compromise feels like capitulation. My friend Ben Zander is a legendary conductor. And one of the things that conductors did for a really long time was force the orchestra to capitulate. There they were, their European white men in their tuxedos with a stick, waving it at people. They're the only person in the orchestra that doesn't make a sound, and yet they are the people who tended to dominate. But what Ben introduced, at least into his small circle, was the idea that orchestras are actually a team sport. By listening and learning from one another, they play together. Because you don't win a symphony. What you get to do is do a symphony with the rest of us. And that's where we live now. We live in a world not of hockey, but of symphonies. Thanks for listening to my rant. We'll see you next time. We'll be back in a second with a couple questions from previous episodes. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. No ad this week. In fact, an ad about the ads. If you visit akimbo.link, you'll see a new button up there. Let me explain it to you really quick. My friends run akimbo.com, a B Corp that hosts the workshops that you've been hearing about here. But the Akimbo podcast is separate from that. And so going forward, every once in a while, I will talk about some of the workshops my friends are running. But in the meantime, I'd like to talk about what you're interested in. In fact, I'd like you to talk about what you're interested in. So if you visit akimbo.link, you'll see a way that you can upload a 30-second ad for a nonprofit, for a cause, or even for a hobby that you care about. Nothing commercial, please. Of course, I can't promise I'll be able to include all of them. There are guidelines at akimbo.link about how to do it and what to include and not include. The focus is 100% non-commercial and non-profit. I can't wait to see what you've got going on. Hey, Seth, it's Maria. Hey, Seth, my name's Kyle. Greetings, Seth. This is Stephen out in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Seth. Alicia from Charleston here. Hi, Seth. This is Anupam. Hi, this is Caitlin. Hi, Seth. Warm greetings from Curacao. Hey, Seth. My name is Nick Ryan from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Seth. This is Rex. Hey, Seth. Hi, this is Vasilis from Greece. Hi, this is Roberta Perry. My question is... And that completes my question. As you know... I do love to hear from you. If you've got a question about this or any previous episode, I hope you'll visit akimbo.link, that's A-K-I-M-B-O dot L-I-N-K, and click the appropriate button. The first question isn't that much of a question, and it has to do with the appropriate button. Here we go. John Snow here from down south of Boston. Got a question about today's questions where you were once again, you were talking about white elephants and you were talking about 
uh, sunk costs. But the very first question was about misinformation and disinformation. And you gave what I consider to be a phenomenal response. Is there a place where I can get a transcript of that, uh, as in the written form? Um, I would love to share it with some people. Um, and I know you'd prefer me to share a link to Akimbo, but I simply know that an awful lot of people that I think would read it aren't going to go there and listen to a podcast. They're just not that type. So if you could help me out by pointing to a place where I could get a written transcript of that question and answer, I would certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for all you do, Seth. Thanks for this, John. If you visit akimbo.link, you will also see a link to thyssen.co. And at Thyssen, they have a system that has been transcribing every single episode of the Akimbo podcast since the very first one. And I'm glad that my rant about misinformation resonated with you. A shortcut for people who are listening and can't remember exactly how to get to Thyssen, just go to bit.ly slash misinformation akimbo. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash misinformation akimbo. All one word, all lowercase. And there you'll see the transcript. Thanks for listening. My question is, at the end of the podcast, Money is a Story, someone had asked about whether the addition of AI uh, in technology was making creative arts better. And my your response was yes, because the more things that can be automated and technically um, done by programs leads us to do the better, more creative, higher level work, which I totally agree on. But what I want to press on is that that can be true, but the, my statement can also be true, which is that uh, it brings in more people that are not um, proficient in that particular uh, uh, arena category, let's say it's photography. And so then litters that, um, creative domain with a, with a lot of people who are all putting forth, um, an idea that they are also a quote unquote photographer. And what does that do to the arts and to the economy uh, in general, when sort of anyone can be anything? Love everything you do. All my love, Sabrina in Mexico. Thanks, Sabrina. I'm glad to get your question. Here is the thing. For more than a hundred years, every single time that technology or culture has enabled new folks to show up in an area of creativity, the people who were there before decry that the hordes are arriving. They criticize the quality of what is being created, and people don't care. When typography moved to desktop publishing, the real typographers were incensed. When music shifted from careful orchestration to four guys from Liverpool with long hair playing guitars, the old folks were incensed. When rock and roll shift to auto-tune, people who actually had to sing for a living were incensed. And yes, when photographers saw that people were bringing their own cameras to weddings, they didn't like that either. And here's the thing. The thing is that by some measure, quality continues to decrease. The craft that is involved in being an abstract expressionist is different 
than the craft that you needed if you wanted to apprentice with Rembrandt because we are no longer in the business of replacing the camera because the camera's already here. Painters have to do a different kind of work, a harder kind of work, a different sort of craft. And the same thing is true for someone who wants to make a living, whether you're making a living as a calligrapher, as a typesetter, or as a photographer. And here is what I have found. It does not pay for the profession to unite and try to keep the amateurs out. It doesn't work. They just go around you. And it doesn't pay for professionals to sniff and say, that stuff isn't real. Because the people who want to buy it, the people who want to patronize it, that's what they're going to do. Now, we have just a couple options available to us. And I'm saying we because I've been through this very thing several times. Hard-earned reputation and skill thrown out the window because people have a shortcut. What do you mean you could have millions and millions of followers just because you tweet some stupid photos? You haven't done the work. It doesn't matter that they haven't done the work. But you have done the work. So what are your choices? Well, one choice is to realize that the smallest viable audience is still there, to ignore the masses, that there are people who do things by hand today, including setting type or making vinyl records, who have a waiting list. Because if you're the kind of person that wants someone to build you a vinyl record built with the old school lathe with care and quality, you don't have a lot of choices. And the second option is to realize that the market knows what the market wants, and it might be time to take a deep breath and approach it differently. My friend Jill Greenberg, the famous photographer, started her career by paying her dues, by apprenticing. But then she dove deep into Photoshop. And because her work in Photoshop really popped, the traditional people, many of them misogynistic, criticized her for not being a real photographer. And then when everyone stole her look, because Photoshop is widely available, she could have decried the people who had taken a shortcut and just stolen her work. But instead, she shifted again and then shift it again. It's not easy, but that's sort of what we signed up for. What we signed up for, because we entered on a wave of technological change, is that there's going to be more technological change. You don't have to like it, but we do have to dance with it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I just don't think it's possible or probable in, in today's world to distinguish yourself as an educational institution or as a success seeker at the level of, of information gathering or information distribution. I mean, this is the information age and you can get a great book, a great essay, a great idea anywhere, you know? And none of us can do that better than the internet, right? Um, there is no great thought leader who can outthink the internet. Like we have data. What All MBA gets right is it puts you in a context where you're part of a community that says, yeah, 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 that's good. You got access to ideas, you got access to information. That's awesome. but when are you going to show up? When are you going to face that blank page? When are you going to face the possibilities within you? When are you going to face those fears? I'm not going to let you hide. You got to show up. And that's the hardest part. And it sounds simple. It sounds very commonsensical. But it's the number one reason why we don't write that book. It's the number one reason why we don't ask that question. It's not because we don't know or we don't have the information. We don't have an environment and we don't have a support network that makes it feel like showing up is possible for me. 
not just possible for the success stories I see out there, but I can show up. Consider the Alt-MBA. More than 3,000 alumni in 74 countries around the world. Find out more at altmba.com.